0: Most of you know I have four kids. I have uh, in that four, I have two boys that uh, are pretty good runners. If you'd like to hear about it, stop and ask me, bring a sack lunch. She'll be there for a while. They do a lot of running though. They run at Midlothian High School and it's a, it's a school that has a a great program for running, has a great coach there. And that's been fun for me to watch them because I had an opportunity to, to go to a high school that had a really strong running program, had a, had a great coach. And so just kind of fun to compare, you know, what, what's changed in 30 years? What's changed in, in training or opportunities or, or uh, just, you know, different philosophies of coaching, uh, different things like that. For instance, uh, there, certainly there's been a change in opportunities. You know, when I ran, there was not near the level or the number uh, of national type meets, whether it be cross country or indoor or outdoor track. Today they have a a good many opportunities like that. We never really got much out of our state. Uh, you know, today they run all over the country. Another thing I've seen really change, and I don't think this is unique to running. I think they're finding this in in all sports, is this whole idea, this concept of core training. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? You heard of core exercises? I mean, you know, 30 years ago, we did sit-ups. That was it, you know, sometimes upwards towards minutes a week of uh, sit-ups. Yeah, y'all should be a little bit quicker on the uptake there. You know, the 8.30 crowd was right on that. But uh, yeah, we did, we did sit-ups. You know, we knew about stomach crunches and getting those abs looking just right. I mean, today... Most sports, I think, when they're using core training, they're doing hours a week. I mean, it's hours and hours of, of working on these core muscles. It's not just the abs. It's the, it's the abs, it's the side, it's the, it's the back, it's all this in here. I guess you could say your trunk. And, and I was looking on Mayo Clinic this week on their website about core training. And, and they said these muscles really are pretty key to holding the whole body together. Uh, These muscles are key to 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 where all the other muscles tie in. They support the spine. Uh, It's these exercises, these muscles, that give greater balance and stability. They give. um, they, They said it'll help you accomplish. I love this word. All your athletic goals. I don't know what all your athletic goals are, but core training will get you there. It'll, it'll help you accomplish them. Said it makes most physical activities easier. The one thing I read, though, that really stood out to me, it says your, your core training, your core muscles are what give you your posture. You think about your posture, that's your stance. That's your strength. That's even the way you come across to people, isn't it? How you're presented, that, that's your stance. Well, folks, if you'll think about core exercises in that way, your, your core muscles in that way, we have core values in our church. And if you'll think of those core values as our core muscles for this body, that's what, that's what Jesus calls us, a, a body, a family. It is these core training muscles that, that hold us together, that give us balance and stability, and our, even our posture, before a watching world. And, and we have we have six core values in our church. Six values we try to, you know, I guess you'd maybe another word used use is they're, they're our DNA. They really kind of guide. We want these things flowing through everything we are. We want them flowing through everything we do because they're our stance before the world. Those six core values, and you've already seen one, figured out one maybe today, is a commitment to Scripture. Next week, we're going to be looking at a a lifestyle of prayer and worship, sharing the good news, living in community, a culture of serving, and then a very important one, and honestly, one I think we could be a lot better at. I think we one we need to be stronger at, and that is reaching the next generation. Now, when you hear that phrase, the next generation, you, you automatically think about the little ones, Right. You know, giving the gospel to them. That's certainly very much included in that. But I think a bigger picture, folks, it's just the church handing the baton to the folks coming behind. Whatever age they might be that we continue. We're in a relay race here. And we've got to be able to hand off that baton. Uh, one of the, what we're going to start with today is a commitment to Scripture. I was looking at a website this week. Mike, you sent it to me. What was it called Was it the status of the Bible in America? I told the other two audiences that if you Google it, you'll find it. But then they told them the wrong title. So good luck Googling it. Yeah, I think it's the status of the Bible in America in 2013. And uh, there was a couple of things. I actually do encourage you to try to hunt it down. It it was at some really... Interesting information about America's relationship with the Bible. There's a couple things in there that I didn't think were much of a surprise. Uh, one statistic said one in five Americans reads their Bible four times a week, four days a week or more. One in five. That, that's about what I would have expected. Uh, one that was a real surprise to me is that 18 to 28 year olds are more likely to turn to God's word for direction than the older generations. That, that one kind of surprised me. Kudos to the 18 to 28 year olds, huh? Now, what the rest of us are doing north of that, I'm not sure. But, but these statistics show that, hey, they're, they're actually turning to God's word more, looking for direction, looking for answers on how to handle that than, than the older ones are. Another one that was a little bit of a surprise to me was a study done in 2011 said that about 10% of America is antagonistic to the Bible. Now that's not what surprised me. It's that not even two years later in 2013, that number's gone from 10% to 17%. Folks, if you've done anything with statistics and, and how changes happen, 10 to 17 in two years or less, that is really a fast change. There is a growing antagonism, a growing dislike of Scripture in our nation. Which really ought to make us think about that posture. You know, how we're presenting ourselves to the world. How are we presenting the scripture? You know, folks, I, I can kind of sum up today's message in one sentence for you. Here it is. At the heights, we are unapologetic, aren't we? Unapologetic, and we are unashamed in proclaiming and communicating this word. This is what we hold out to the, the follower. This is what we hold out to the seeker. This is what we hold out to the world. It is our one source of truth. The pastor is not our source of truth. Pastors are not our source of truth. A committee, a denominational headquarters, none of that is our source of truth. We have one source of truth, and it is this book right here that we call the Bible. Amen? We do believe that, don't we? All right, all right. All 14 of us, the rest along for a ride. We'll take it. We'll take it. Now, Now, what is this book that, that we hold in our hands. What, what is this? This is, this is what we're about. This is what we're proclaiming. As a matter of fact, you go back to those core exercises. Man, we're about sharing the gospel as defined by the Bible. Man, we're about living for the glory of God as defined by the Bible. We're about helping and serving as defined by the Bible. Are you kind of getting where I'm going with this? I mean, the Bible is really central. So, so what is this book that we hold in our hands. You know, I would imagine most of us in here, we have a favorite passage, don't we? We have a favorite passage. We have a a favorite book. We have places we like to go, you know, the Psalms. We like to turn to the Psalms. There might be a variety of places that are favorites to us. Now, having a favorite kind of implies we have what? A not so favorite. Yeah, we got passages we go to all the time. We got passages that's in the Bible. Where's that? You know, we got, we got passages we don't go to so much. And so when we, when we stop and acknowledge that, it's good to remember that all of it, every word from Genesis to Revelation, all of it is God's Word. And because it's all God's Word, it's all good. Now, is all of it equally easy to understand? No. Is all of it as easy to apply to our lives today? No. But I think you'll find that if you take time with any verse, any verse anywhere, you take time with any passage to study it, to understand it, to to pull out of that the historical context and what God was speaking and saying in that moment, you will find the richness, the depth, the wisdom, and the perfection of this Word for every area of your life. And that is that Word... It's what you'll find that your life is to communicate that. Did you know that your life is to be a communicator of this word? Not every now and then. Not in certain environments. Everywhere, every day, your job on this planet is to communicate this book. You're saying, where does it say that? I'm so glad you asked. Second Timothy chapter 4. And you might want to go ahead. This, this verse is going to be on the screen. But you might want to go ahead and open your Bible. To second, First Timothy, Second Timothy. We're going to be in both of these books for a couple of passages this morning. But I've got this first one, 2 Timothy chapter 4. You'll find Timothy, let's see, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. There's two of them. And then Timothy. You get to Titus or Hebrews, you've gone too far. Second Timothy chapter 4. But look what it says here in verses 1 and 2. It says, Before God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead... And by His appearing and by His kingdom, proclaim the message. Persist in it. Whether it's convenient or not. I love that phrase. God is basically saying there to you folks, I don't care whether it's convenient or not for you to do this. I'm solemnly solemnly charging you to do just that. Proclaim this message. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience. instruction now most translations you see that phrase there it says proclaim the trans uh, proclaim the message most translations let me stop right there let me come back to most translations Uh, since we're talking about the Bible I get asked a lot what do you read from up there what 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 translations do you like what are your favorites I like the Holman Christian Standard that's actually the Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you that's a Holman Christian Standard a lot of our curriculum uses the Holman Christian standard that is a newer translation I'd say it's kind of a cross between the new international version and the new American standard those are long time translations I like the Holman it's a real accurate translation that I think strikes a good balance of being very readable I like the Holman I like uh, the English standard version ESV I use that one a lot and then I really like the new living translation Every now and then it's nice to go to that. It, 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 it reads a little bit different. It's a little bit easier to read. Especially if you find the Bible kind of difficult to work with. You're new with the Bible. The New Living Translation is very readable. Real nice text uh, to work with. So those are three that I like. Now there's dozens out there. And in most translations that verse I just said. Instead of saying proclaim the message. It's going to say preach the word. Now I'll be honest with you. I like that. That, that does it for me. I get all warm and fuzzy about that word preach, okay? Truth be known though, I think the Holman Christian probably has the better translation there in saying proclaim the message. And here's why. Now remember, what what translation is, it's translating it so that people understand it, right? Okay, well when most of the time in our culture, when you hear, when you read the word preach, what do you think about? Okay, thanks. All right, yeah, just want to call it quits and go home, I don't know. Yeah, you, when you hear the word preach, you think of the preacher, a person, or you think of the activity, right? The activity that goes on Sunday morning up in front of a group of people. That's not what this word is. You see, when you and I read that phrase, preach the word, a lot of us, almost every one of us in here will kind of say, well, that's not for me. This passage isn't speaking to me. And the reality is this passage is speaking to every follower of Christ in the room. And it's not the word preach that refers to a person or an activity in front of the church. It is a word that is basically translated an announcement. A herald. Your life is to be an announcement of the message of this book. Your life is to be a herald of the message inside this book. You say, which message? That's right. All of them. Every me- Whatever today brings to you. Standing around the coffee pot. Everybody's talking on and going about this and this and this. And you say, hey, you know what, man? God's Word has something to say about that. Maybe maybe it's a question inside your home, a decision that's being made. wonder what God's Word says about that. Maybe you're just looking for some direction and, and sharing that with some other. You know, I'm working on this and I'm trying to get to where God would guide me through His Word. We are to speak God's Word into every single place we can. Now, I know when I said, you know, at work they're talking about this and this and you say, hey, you know, that's, you know what God's Word says? And a lot of people think, yeah, that's crazy. I ain't doing that. Hey, you know what? I think this passage should actually rattle us. Did you catch what was going on there? Paul says, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to charge y'all. Now stop. Before I give you a charge, I'm going to call God the Father and I'm going to call God the Son as witnesses that I've given you this charge. And, And they're going to also be witnesses that you have received the charge. This has been a good day to stay home. You realize you're here now. You've received the charge. Well, maybe nobody saw. God the Father and God the Son saw. They're witnesses to the fact that you now, maybe, I don't know what you've ever seen that verse before, but today, April 7, 2013, you have been charged. They're witnesses. But get this, this is crazy. Not only is God the witness, but that's who's going to judge us. He's going to judge whether I picked the charge up. He's going to judge whether I faithfully lived out the charge to proclaim the message with my life. So He's judge and He's witness. Man, talk about you can run, but you can't hide. I mean, there's no, way, there's no way to get away from this. You know, I think the only way we really pick this up is kind of what Paul was referring to there. You know what you and I, we need to do? We need to stop and remember, hey, wait a minute, Jesus actually is coming back. You know, I'll bet almost everybody in this room believes that. I bet it'd be a super high percentage. Maybe 90% or better of us believe that Jesus is coming back. And I'll bet that same 90% didn't make a single decision based on that reality this week. I'm not judging. God. I mean, we just don't. Do I believe it? Absolutely. Am I doing anything, saying anything, making any decision? Hey, man, I'm going to stand before Christ. What should I do in light of that? No, that's not, that's not really running through our minds, is it? Maybe, maybe like Paul said, we should stop. Hey, you know what? My life is left on this planet to proclaim this message. And that's going to be evaluated. And there's a witness that I've heard this. And there's a judge that is going to judge it. And folks, our community and our world needs that. I mean, it's always needed it. I'm not, I'm not trying to imply sometimes more or less, but... Honestly, right now, I feel like our community, our culture needs this more than ever before for me to faithfully communicate the message of this book in my faith, with my words, with my actions, because we live in a world that doesn't believe in absolute truth anymore, right? We live in a world where it is the only definitive thing you can say is it's wrong to say something's wrong. It is wrong to say something is right. There's no definitive right, no definitive wrong. You know, I I guess kind of early in life, kind of starting out in life, that's kind of fun, isn't it? I mean, you know, hey, I do what I want. What's good for me is what's good for me. Nothing's wrong. I just make it up as I go. But I tell you, you don't have to travel very far down through life and start moving through some intersections where you start thinking, man, I sure would like to have some answers. Man, I sure would like to see some of this fixed, some of this corrected. You know, folks, the reality is we need a moral compass. We need some anchors to hold on to in life. And that's what God's Word gives us. Now, I, you know, somebody could ask, you say, you keep referring to God's Word, and that's what the, the Bible, why this book? I mean, there's lots of great books out there. There's lots of religious books. Why the Bible? Why do we put this at the center? Well, here's a good reason. How about this? God. Y'all got that? You can write it down. G-O-D. God put this book at the center of what we do. Let me show you where. I hope you're still in in Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look at verse 13. Just one little short verse here. 1 Timothy 4.13. Says there, until I come, devote. Now you know what devotion looks like, Right? If somebody's devoted to something, they work hard at it, they're committed to it, they're consistent, man, they do that whether it's convenient or not, right? Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation with the Scripture, to the teaching of the Scripture. Folks, it's God who puts the Scripture, it's God who puts this book at the center of our gathering. Do you see that? Now, you know what, folks, there's a, if you've been around my preaching for any amount of time, you know that, that I actually spend, a, you know, I'll take time in every service to tell you where we're reading, right? You know, go here, find that. You know, I actually want you to find the passage. That's a crazy idea, I know. I repeat the passage over and over and over. You know why? Because I want you to get there. Now, there's two reasons I do that. Number one, it always frustrated me when the pastor told me to turn somewhere And by the time I got there, he was halfway done reading it. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I'm getting there as fast as I can. Where is that book? You know, I'm trying to get there. So, you know what? I want you to get there. But the second reason that I take so much time announcing the passage, waiting for you to get there, is because of this verse right here. Yes, you can see. Well, that looks like a Bible. I mean, there are not a lot of books that look like that, right? You can see that I have a Bible, you can assume and be absolutely confident that I'm reading from a Bible, but I actually believe it's important that you have one in your hand, even if it's electronic. I actually believe that you, you look down, it's important that you see, okay, this is God's Word that we're trying to engage with. This is God's Word we're trying to get our direction from. Boy, I hope we're not confused here. The goal is never to study the pastor. The goal is never to leave here thinking, boy, the pastor really had some good thoughts on life today. No, the goal is not me. The goal is not what I say. The goal is that we all engage with God's Word. And the only thing I better be doing up here is helping you lift the meaning up off the page into the life we live here and now. But you should be able to see it go right back down and know exactly the verse that it's tied to. And that that teaching is accurate. And you're actually... You're actually supposed to evaluate and measure if what I'm saying is accurate against God's Word. I believe it's important we physically engage with the book. So God puts this book at the center of of what we do. That's why we use the Bible. A second reason is because of its authority and its impact. Look at 2 Timothy. You're in 1 Timothy. Just go to the right a few pages. 2 Timothy chapter 3. See, I listened for the rustling of paper. When it stops, I assume most of us are there. Second Timothy chapter three, verse four. Excuse me, I don't know why I said that. Verse fourteen. Second Timothy three fourteen. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Boy, moms and dads, I think that's an awfully important phrase to under, underline. How from childhood? Boy, I don't think anything could be said or but said better uh, of parenting than when your child is 19, is 27, is 39, that somebody could refer to them and say, you know what you got in the Bible from your childhood? Moms and dads, you hear us say this. This is a good spot to say it again. You are the primary faith trainer of your child, not the church. Boy, isn't it easy to think, okay, my job's get them up to church, get them up there Wednesday night, get them up there Sunday morning, and then, and then once we enter the building, we kind of okay, I've done my part. No, folks, the church comes alongside your part. The, the church comes along and is an encouragement to your part. It is your job to be the primary faith trainer in your child's life. And you know what, I can say, I almost hate to say this, but I've just seen it too much. And I don't want to undercut the church. I don't want to undersell the impact of the church. But if a child's only work with the Scriptures is inside this building, and then they go home and they don't see the Scriptures used, worked with, come alive anywhere else, guess what, they're going to get lost. There is no more profound impact than you mom and dad modeling the Scripture in front of them. Saying, hey, you know what, I don't... Let's see if we can find some direction from God's word in this. It may take me a while, we may have to call somebody. Let's see what God says. Or when we get down and pray, maybe a little bit beyond, help us on the test tomorrow and run good tomorrow. Maybe we think about, hey, what does scripture want us to pray for? What does scripture want us to pray about? Mom and dad, bring the word of God alive to your kid's life. Say, I don't know how. You know what, all you have to know is about five words more than them. That's all you got to do, say five words ahead. Because they don't know anything. This is not a hard task. But where will you get started? I'm sorry I got off there, didn't I? That's not even what the sermon's about. Now I lost my spot. Verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All, very important word, all Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, every word, every verse, every sentence, every paragraph, all Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Your translation may say inspired by God. And it's good, it's profitable for four things. Look at these four things. I'm going to come back to them in a moment. It's, it's, it's breathed out by God and profitable for number one, teaching. Number two, for reproof. Number three, for correction. And number four, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now folks, you and I are not saved by the Bible. The Bible doesn't save us. The Bible's never saved anybody. We're saved by faith in Christ. But you know what? It's the Bible that reveals to me that I need to be saved. It's the Bible that reveals to me who the Savior is is. It's the Bible that reveals how I get to that Savior. It's the Bible that reveals how I come to know Him, understand Him, how I grow in Him, and how I relate with Him. It is the Bible that guides me in everything I need for faith and for life. And it has that ability, it has that authority because it is inspired by God. That word literally means God breathed. You and I actually hold God's Word. These are God's words, these are God's ideas breathed out. Now, inspiration does not mean that, that Daniel, that Moses, that David, that Matthew, that Peter, Paul, that, that they, they just sat here and took, you know, mindless dictation. Would you, would you say that last line again? That's not what inspiration is. No, when you read any of these books, they sound different, don't they? You know why? Because these writers' personality comes out. Their perspective on things come out. Each of these books rises out of an actual historical context. It is actually addressing real life, real historical issues. And and each of those books will handle that. So, you know, man is all over this. You know, much in the same way that you think about Jesus. Jesus is 100% God. We believe that, Right? When you look at Christ, there is nothing of God missing. The Scripture teaches that He is the fullness of God. But Jesus is also 100% man. There's nothing of humanity that is missing in Him, minus the sin. He is 100% God. He is 100% man. Well, much in the same way that you look at Christ, you can look at Scripture. These are 100% God's words. 100% God's ideas. And you know what? It was written with man's ink, and it was written on man's paper, and, and he allowed that to f- flow through that particular individual's personality and, and insight and outlook. Inspiration guarded that it stayed God's Word. You know, when we use the word inspiration, we usually mean motivated, right? We, we usually mean the light bulb came on for us. Boy, that was an inspiring song. Boy, that that book is so inspiring. We mean, that really encourages us. That's not what the word inspiration means here. Inspiration here is a process that describes how God protected that what was recorded in this book was accurately and faithfully His Word. And not only the words, but then these 66 books had to come together to one book that we call the Bible. It is God's work that made sure that what we got... An individual word, an individual book, or the whole thing is indeed God's word. It is is his authority that speaks on anything in here. Now, with that, obviously, that's very good for our lives. We have the maker's insight on everything. It's very profitable for us. You saw there in verse 16, look down at that, those four things, those four things that the Bible does for us. I like the way Warren Wearsby Uh, defines these four things makes it real simple and easy to understand those four words if you were to spend time translating and understand what they mean they're basically saying this the bible tells us what is right what is not right how to get right and how to stay right yeah you look at those four words that's exactly how you would interpret them there you might want to write that down in the edge of your bible uh if you write it on the edge of your ipad uh Don't use permanent ink. But uh, those four things, what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Let me say it again. The Bible gives us everything we need for faith and life. Man, who is God? What is God doing? Where is he going? What's he like? The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. The Bible reveals and answers every one of those questions. What about man? What, what, what's man like? Where's man going? Where did I come from? Why am I here? The Bible, the Bible, the Bible answers every one of those questions. And not just those questions way up there in the stratosphere. It answers the questions of where we're living and walking and breathing day in and day out. Man, I got this situation in my marriage. Man, what do I do with this with this kid? Man, how do I make a decision like that? Man, how do I deal with this person that is just the meanest, most hateful person on the planet? How do I deal with it? The Bible guides you through every single bit of that. It answers every question, every issue that you're dealing with. Now, I've said, why this book? And you say, well, okay, I understand why you're saying this book, but every verse you use is out of this book. Isn't isn't the Bible kind of promoting itself? Don't all holy books kind of promote themselves? But, you know, I've done some... Some sermons in the past, and I'm not going to go into it all today, where I've actually compared the Bible to other forms of literature, other, other sacred writings or religious writings. And it, it really is unique if you take the time to stay. There's, there's actually nothing like the Bible. At all. Agree with it or disagree with it, there's actually nothing that you can compare To this book on the planet. It really does rise above in its uniqueness. Just in one way of looking at it. Folks there's no book on this planet. That has been more attacked. More vilified. More outlawed. More scrutinized. Scrutinized because we want to find it wrong. Scrutinized because we want to prove it's wrong. And folks I mean goodness gracious. With 24 hour news. We're pretty good at finding dirt on anything and anyone. Aren't we? I mean you can't hide from it today. Think about that same mentality and attitude is how people are approaching the Bible. Remember what I said a moment ago? We're almost at one out of five people in America hate this book, and there's people very committed to bringing it down, and that's not just in the last few years. That's for millennia. And nobody's found anything yet. They can't prove it wrong. Not spiritually, not historically, not scientifically. You say, now wait a a minute, Patrick, you said it hadn't been proved wrong scientifically, but what about that, what about that whole creation thing and, and evolution? I mean, have, don't we now know? Hasn't science kind of proved? I mean, that the Bible would be r- 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 wrong there, right? You know, I'm not going to preach on evolution and creation day, but could I just remind us all of one thing that really is escaping our world? It, it's not the word evolution by itself. You have to add another word, evolution Theory. It's a theory. It's an idea about how everything got here. And after believing it for over 50 years, 100 years, they're really not any further along in proving it than when they started. They cannot prove it. It's amazing, though, how it's kind of communicated as a fact. You know what drives that? Religion. Religion? No, no, no. Religion promotes creation. No, no. Religion is promoting evolution. The religion of atheism. It is a philosophy that demands we can come up with some kind of model of how everything got here and everything got going that doesn't include an intelligent designer. It is a philosophy that drives that, not scientific facts. Now, again, I've gotten off my sermon. It's not about evolution and creation. The bigger point here, folks, is disagreeing with the Bible is not disproving it. Not liking the Bible is not disproving it. Not liking what it says on a particular topic is not disproving it. The reality is, the Bible has only shown itself accurate more and more as history and science, archaeology, as those things advance, we just find out more and more that the Bible was right all along. Changed lives show its accuracy and its impact. And folks, actually, when you do go to study other religious writings, it's amazing. There's nothing like the Bible that addresses every issue. A lot of religious writings out there do not address every issue. Not the ones up in the stratosphere and not the ones down here where we're living and breathing every day. And when they do address them, quite often, quite often, there's no consistency with reality. That doesn't, that's not right. That doesn't, nobody sees that. Nobody can connect those dots. Folks, the Bible absolutely stands alone in its uniqueness. So with confidence, with conviction... Give your life to proclaim the message of this book. Remember, before God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and by His kingdom, I solemnly charge you, and you and you and you and you and you and you, you and you, and you proclaim. The message that's why you're on this planet now can i suggest real quickly three really good core training exercises to do this number one read your bible every day read your bible you can't proclaim what you don't know right read your bible number two become a student of the bible now what i'm doing with number two is we're going a little bit further than just reading i think a lot of us can go home and just kind of meander through it a little bit and that's about it We need to go a step further. There needs to be some work to memorize it. There needs to be some work to understand it and really get to good application of it. If you look inside your bulletin under Faith Talk, I've recommended three great books to start building a Bible library. One of those books is a commentary. In other words, you're reading a verse and say, I don't understand what that means. What what is this about? A commentary will help you kind of unwrap that. Another book will help you understand the whole and appreciate what you have. It gets into some of those things like comparing it with other religious writings and things like that. And and, and then another one of those books is just how to help you study it. Okay, I want to become a student of the Scripture. Where do I begin? How do I... How do I start? What do I do with this thing? The book will kind of guide you through how you individually on your own can begin a a lifestyle of studying and working with God's Word. And then the third uh, exercise, folks, is to purposefully. That's the operative word, purposefully. Look for ways to speak God's Word into into every day. With your life always and with your words often. Purposefully. Folks, you know why uh, uh, there's a lot of things that we don't do that God's asked us to do? Because we're just never thinking about it. It's not because we hate God. It's not because we don't love God. It's not because we don't believe in the Word. We just don't wake up and think about it. And so unless obedience just comes up, grabs us by the lapels and shakes us and says, here's the place to do it. We just don't do it. You will not speak God's Word into life, lives around you and into situations and, and into relationships. You won't do it tomorrow unless you wake up and go into the day thinking about doing it, praying about doing it, choosing to do it. You won't do it. Now, you'll say, I believe in the Bible. It's the Word of God. Got the answer to everything. Awesome. Proclaim it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much Thank you for this book we hold in our hands. God, I would pray for myself. I would pray for every person in this room that our testimony of what this book means to us would become like King David's testimony. That its words are sweeter than honey. And that it has become more valuable to us than gold. Oh God, could that happen in my life? Help me, help us to realize it's not going to mystically happen. It's going to happen as we work with it, as we read it, as we memorize it, as we live it, as we proclaim it. Father, as we think about this this morning, we need to say we're sorry. A lot of us have read that verse from 2 Timothy before. We know our lives are to be proclaiming this message. And Lord, we just just don't. Didn't mean to, didn't set out not to do it. God, I pray it means something to us all today that that You're a witness to the reality that we know this truth now. God, I pray that as I get up and move into a week tomorrow, I go into that week looking for all the places I can speak the Word of God. Whether it's convenient or not. Lord, bring this Word alive in my life and may my life bring it alive for all I come in contact with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.